Today we go back to a time when overacting was considered good. Right back on Doctor Who's timeline with its first story ever, An Unearthly Child. High River Song, because this is filled with spoilers. Podcast made by Hoovians for Hoovians. My name is Mark, and to my left is Sean. Yay! <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> Best way to do the intro. Oh yes. With a cough. And a Sean. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, we are back. Uh, we've done a pilot episode, yeah. and we're here today to do uh, our first episode review. Very important day for us, I must say. It is. This it- is the official starting day. Of the Hoobie podcast, kinda, and I'm and and I'll be honest, an unearthly child is is, you know, isn't it awesome to be starting on an unearthly child, from November twenty third, nineteen sixty three. It, it it everything starts somewhere, and this is, I it's a pretty good place to start Doctor Who, but, I'm totally honest, it's kind of underwhelming at the same time. Just kind of, I just, we watched this episode two days ago. Before recording this episode, and um, you were scarred basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm I'm surprised you held on until the end of the fourth episode. <laughs> so was I. So was I. Um, no, well, well, yeah. When the first episode aired on the twenty third of November nineteen sixty three, it was only seen by four point four million people. That's because of power outages and the President Kennedy assassination, which happened the day before. Yeah. And the BBC thought that that was a bad number of people to watch it, so they were going to pull the entire show from ever being shown. Only that producer at the time, Verdi Lambert, turned around and said, no, I want the episode reshot and re-aired a week later. That was done, and it was seen by 6 million, which the BBC thought was great. Henceforth, the show is still going. So 1.6 million more. Yeah, basically. Okay. Oh, anyway, okay. Uh, another bit of fun trivia. The cavemen, the men oh, cavemen... God. When they were being cast, or hired... Kalanzar! They had to show off their chests right. to the casting people to show if they were hairy or not. Okay. Yeah, there's a funny fact for you. Um, another one. The Doctor smokes a pipe in one of these episodes. And this is the first and last time we ever see him smoking a pipe. He doesn't smoke it again. Not even the first Doctor smokes a pipe. That's the only time we see it, and it's for a split second. Alright, Bill. <laughs> And that's pretty much all the trivia I could find. Everything else was like, not really that good, not really that interesting, but no, that was probably the best that I could find. Okay. No, it's it's interesting. It's just, damn, 60s. Um, <laughs> you're going to hear a lot of damn from me. I'm damn. Gonna, I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum, though, because I know people are kind of sick of it, but yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so. We hop into this one? Yeah. Right. So like, I'll take off at episode one now. Sure. Right, so An Unearthly Child, written by Anthony Coburn, who only actually wrote An Unearthly Child, and was meant to write the following episode, The Masters of Luxor, but that was canned, and they pulled, they put in the Daleks instead of its place. Wow. So anyway, we begin this episode with the intro titles, which I must say are awesome. 
Yeah. I love the 60s intro titles. I think they're brilliant. They are awesome. And I, I know from the time, um, from watching An Adventure in Space and Time, mm. you kind of get an insight into how they were created. Yeah. And uh, it's, for the time, that was revolutionary. Like, that was, that was a big thing. Right. Now, now, nowadays, you can do it on your computer at home. But for that, like, kind of stuff yeah. in the 60s, it was amazing. In paint and movie maker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that, the intro titles run and... They fade out, and we were introduced to the very first person to ever be in Doctor Who, which is a policeman. And I didn't bother looking up the name of the actor who plays this policeman. <laughs> but, yeah, was he even credited? I think so. Well, like, let's be honest, the first two characters in the entire series were uh, this policeman and the most shaky cameraman on Earth. Oh, yes. We're doing the whole <laughs> mobile camera shot stuff, and it's just so shaky. But that's what they wanted, that. Like, yeah. It makes the it- filmographer wanted just pure mobile camera work at all times but it's so shaky and <laughs> it's like someone just holding the camera like this like, like it looks like a found footage movie like it does it really does at the start they're kind of like okay <laughs> anyway we move then into a junkyard where we first get a glimpse at the TARDIS yes um, pretty underwhelming I know like it would have been back then no I don't think so like, it was just a police box back then like nowadays you don't see them but back then they were England, pretty commonplace yeah. yeah like Ian and Barbara walk into the junkyard and are just like there's a police box <laughs> shouldn't this be out on the street yeah, it's a bit of a what? odd place to like put a police box and I'm surprised that the police officer did not notice it at all <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but no police officer I think that would take everyone out of the whole thing if he noticed them <laughs> yeah because then they'd be like oh it's that guy's police box what's up <laughs> anyway we then move into uh, Coal Hill School, which is actually... Th- that's made a reappearance in the new Who series. Yes. But it's been changed. The name has changed. It's not a school anymore. It's an academy. It's an academy. Coal Hill Academy. Because Clara would never teach in a school. <laughs> <laughs> but here we're introduced to our first companions, Ian and Barbara, which are school- both teachers in the school. And Barbara is the first character in Doctor Who to speak the very first words. And she basically tells Su- uh, Susan... To wait in the classroom. Wow. Very good start. Oh, great start. <laughs> Amazing. Just like, uh... Oh, damn. Dude, that's like... That is the best line to start a sci-fi TV story, uh, story with. Susan, stay somewhere. in the classroom. I'll be back in a moment. <laughs> then she goes to the staff room and basically just bitches to Ian. She does, <laughs> yes. We move into the staff room then and they're just chatting and moaning about Susan. That she's like so odd and weird. And then they find out that she's 15, which the they character say, probably is, but Caroline Ford was definitely not 15. She, she was she was about 23 at the time, I think. She's the furthest from fucking 15. <laughs> Excuse my language. You, you, you might say she's an unearthly child. Oh, God. <laughs> you just had to crack that point. <laughs> had to be done. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Ian and Barbara, right, continue to chat and talk and... I kind of picked up that there was some sexual tension going on there. <laughs> and if you keep watching on in the show, like, with further episodes down the line, oh, yeah. this gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse. Pr- <laughs> neither of them do anything about it. <laughs> I don't think it was very common in the 60s for that to be, a, like, a, a thing in... But t- it's so blatantly obvious. Oh, yeah. No, 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 clearly. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, Ian wanted some. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like it, it, it shows, it shows. It does. We're nerds, but with a twist. Um, but just... Anyway, they get it into their heads that they're going to go and f- follow Susan home, which is just weird, but 
you know, if you're two teachers worried about a student, they're bound to do something. <laughs> anyway, once they do that, have that little discussion, they go back into the classroom to meet up with Susan because she's getting a book off Barbara about the French Revolution. Yeah. And uh, when we get into the room, she is listening to music, John Smith and the Commons. I think I mentioned that in the pilot episode. And yeah. I'm glad I remembered the name of it <laughs> now because I wrote it down. <laughs> but not only that, Susan is doing the weirdest... <laughs> hand movement I have ever seen you can't see because we're doing a podcast exactly. now, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing the hand movement yeah, as we speak it's just, it's just so like, weird if that was dancing back in the 60s thank I can God. just imagine like when like the director came in to Caroline Ford and just said to her, right do what do just do something right <laughs> listen to the music and do something just, like don't stand there just do something and she's like hmm awkward hand movement <laughs> lovely <laughs> This is when I came to the conclusion that Susan is kind of, like, not right in the head. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not, though. Probably not. Grandfather, oh no, oh no! <laughs> we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. <laughs> right, so the next scene, Ian and Babs are waiting for Susan outside um, the construction yard. And when she eventually arrives, they follow her in, and they're looking around this junkyard, which has to be the longest shot I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, like, five minutes at least, just... Looking at junk. I love it. No, but I just have to comment on a point in this. Ian walks in and comments on the mess. It's a junkyard. What did you expect? <laughs> I just... That was the probably the worst line of the first episode. Just like, such a mess. <laughs> anyway, they, once they're in there and after that, that fucking century-long thing of looking at this junkyard, we finally get a better look at the TARDIS. And Ian puts his hand on it and says, It's alive! <laughs> we, might, we might toss that line in somewhere around here. It's alive! <laughs> Which I think was a bit over the top. Like, I imagine you're going to put your hand on the tire. There's going to be a faint vibration there somewhere. Yeah, it but have... it's not going to be alive, <laughs> well, Barbara! Well, like, <laughs> it, it, it is alive, but he shouldn't know that. It's a box. Yeah, it's a bit odd. And then he walks around to see if it's plugged in. Like... <laughs> I don't know. It's a fridge! <laughs> anyway, at this point, we're 11 minutes into this, and the doctor is finally here. Strange just to say that, we're about 11 minutes into this podcast. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> if, if this takes us 25 minutes to talk about this first episode, that's going to be brilliant, because that's just matching up with the episode. <laughs> anyway, so the doctor comes in, and he tries to... He, well, he obviously wants to go into the TARDIS, but... He hears Ian and Barbara and just decides against it. So they come out, ask him where Susan is, and he tries to trick them into leaving and telling them that Susan's not there. And I think this is probably the best thing the First Doctor ever does. <laughs> that whole bit of dialogue is fantastic. Just the way William Hartnell handles himself in it is brilliant. Yeah, but he seems like a Oh, he's a bit of an ass. He's an ass. <laughs> come on, it's brilliant. It's just so Doctor-like. It's brilliant. Yeah. Anyway... He convinces them enough that Susan's not there, but Susan completely craps on that plan because she opens the door <laughs> and Babs runs in and Ian follows her and this is when we get introduced to the actual TARDIS. Yes. We're finally in the main console room. I think it looks brilliant. It did. It, it looks fantastic. I, I, I like... that. That's one thing about the classic series. It, the TARDIS has changed so many times over the years, but I have loved... The original look. I've loved every iteration of the TARDIS except for... There was one TARDIS that Tom Baker had. It's kind of like a little small brown little room. Tiny. Yeah, a little tiny <laughs> controller. It's in the hand of fear for a while. It's the only time I've yeah. ever seen it. But like, it's just, no, it never it never looked right. That was the only one that kind of made me go, 
No, that, I'm alright. <laughs> that TARDIS that and Matt Smith's first TARDIS got rid of the swirly things on the wall. Yeah, but I love Matt Smith's first TARDIS. It was alright. Oh man, when he opened the door, he was like, what you got for me this time? And she opened the door, she's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can I actually say, like, um, when you were talking about William Hartnell there, um, the way he acted in that first scene, mm. uh, they, they kind of paid homage to that in a later episode, in one of Matt Smith's episodes. Um, the first one where he meets Clara when she's a... Uh, uh, a governess yes um, with the consciousness and stuff and uh, when he was up in the clouds living up in the clouds he yeah, was yeah. this cranky old man and he was kind of like that was the way he was uh, I, if really paid homage to the old the way he used to be before pants yes, and stuff yes. and I, was, I thought that was a little nice thing to put in but uh, we'll get to that in about six years <laughs> <laughs> anyway it goes on that Ian and Bad are doing the whole new companion thing where they're trying to wrap the whole idea of the TARDIS around their heads yeah. and there's a bit where the doctor walks over to this thing on the table and Ian goes to him and at this point you can notice the boom mic or just like a <laughs> mic in general hovering above Ian's head it's like for a split second it's there but it's so noticeable oh my god oh no. it's brilliant yeah, like I didn't I'll be honest I did, I did not notice that the first time but then you should you rewind it two seconds and I was like okay yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's clear that is very clear it's like it's like a whole, I'd say it's a good fraction of the screen taken up. As yeah, just, just massive, all above his head. A massive black dot over his head. Yeah. Like, that's a microphone. <laughs> um, anyway, the doctor then moves <coughs> on and moans to Susan that, you know, how are they going to let them go and all this stuff. But in this kind of little conversation, we, we kind of see William Hartnell's first <coughs> mistake that he makes doing Doctor Who. And if you'll notice from watching his stories... He does make a lot of mistakes, but that's because he was suffering from this illness. And, um, you know, obviously you can kind of put it behind you because of that. But really, these mistakes kind of became the first Doctor. Like, yeah. it's just so <laughs> him. But this one mistake he does, the scarf falls off his shoulder. And he like you can tell he loses his trend. Like, this distracts him away from what he's doing. <laughs> but in a split second, he just picks it up and keeps going. And it's brilliant how he just kept it going. It was fantastic. Yeah, anyway. Um... Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> we get the TARDIS name drop from Susan. Oh, yeah. The first TARDIS name drop, Time and Relative Dimension in Space. And it turns out that she named the TARDIS. She she called it the TARDIS because it's it was originally just called Time and Relative Dimension in Space. She made but that up, takes too long to say. She apparently <laughs> made up the name TARDIS. Now, I understand that pilot episode, yeah, that that is the story they were going with. She made up the name. But if you go to later episodes where there's Time Lords on Galfrey... It's changed. They talk about TARDIS, yeah. like TARDISes Where and tar- TARDIS I, as in, it's just, it's just <laughs> what's the plural of TARDIS? TARDISes. TARDISes, okay, well they're talking about TARDISes <laughs> and, um, like, I, did, I, I doubt the Doctor's granddaughter, like, went up to Gallifrey and was just like, I'd like to make a, make a suggestion on the name of these things, you know, the big things, bigger on the inside things. Yeah. TARDIS. <laughs> Great name. TARDIS. Anyway. So once we get through all this, Barbara tries to convince Susan that she's totally bonkers, that none of this is real. The Doctor then decides to be totally just dickish, and when Ian goes to use the controls to open the doors, he electrocutes him. <laughs> Straight out, electrocutes him. Ian doesn't take kindly to that. No, he doesn't. He just gets down on his knees and kind of like, gets up back angry again. He's like, holy oh, that. <laughs> anyway. Then we see the first TARDIS take off. The Doctor actually takes off. And it's the most dramatic take off I have ever seen in ever. the show. The Doctor and Susan 
like just grab onto the console with their bags to it and they're holding on for dear life <laughs> while Ian and Barbara are doing the worst the worst <laughs> shaky set ever like they're just falling around the place <laughs> like they're drunk and it just looks awful <laughs> and then there's some weird face close ups again oh that doesn't get doesn't happen yet oh no it does isn't it does it, it does yeah it happens more it's than once in the episode it's doing the time vortex when it's actually the intro title <laughs> yeah we may get back to that because that happens more oh, than yes, once in the story oh yes awkward face close ups in this episode are fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but later down the line we'll get into that more oh. anyway the TARDIS lands in this barren wasteland we get a silhouette of just this figure and then that's it cliffhanger credits roll the, the end. end episode one down done yeah, so like, episode one. What do you think of episode one? It's a, it's a good intro. Like you have to introduce the companions and the Tardis and the Doctor himself. I think it does it really well. Yeah, it's a good way to start off uh, things. Um, I would say it's a good way to get people hooked, but mm. as of now, like it was, it was targeted as I think towards kids, like as a yeah. kids show, and from the first episode, I wouldn't. I don't know how kids thought back in the sixties. But if I was a if I was a kid, I wouldn't be attracted to that so much. It seems more like a, an older thing. Yeah, yeah. To me. But then again, Doctor Who always did. Yeah, but it does get into it does get into more like they do. Kid it does get it gets stuff, very childish. Yeah. It later happens. on. Yeah. Tom Baker. <clears throat> um, oh, but, even the first Doctor is bad. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Just wait, Mark, because you will find out. I've seen the episodes. I just. Have you seen Planet of the Giants? I don't know. Oh, you are in for a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. Shall we move on with episode two? Yes, we shall move on with episode two. The Cave so, of Skulls. So basically, yeah, um, it's called The Cave of Skulls, but these episodes, they, ha- they have quite serious titles. And, um, yes. And I don't, I, I can't take the, uh, the, some of these episodes seriously. So I've taken the liberty, okay, episode one, call it An Unearthly Child, because that fits. That fits really well. It fits in with Susan. But I like to call episode two, Cavemen Speak Better English Than Us and Have Fresh or Beards. They do. They're very full out in their beards. Yeah, fresh. They're under English is surprisingly well for cavemen. <laughs> well, it was in the first scene. It gets worse later on in the later <laughs> episode when, we're, when they're introduced to the Doctor and all that. Yeah, you'll, you'll notice when they're, uh, like, they'll be having proper civil conversations with these British accents in the first scene and then... Uh, what happens when uh, it's back to preschool talking yeah again. when when they meet the doctor and, and friends later it's all like one syllable at a time we call you friend <laughs> friend <laughs> is your name <laughs> I'm like alright man alright um, I think they kind of uh, messed up with the whole like what cave people would have actually been like It is this had to do with like do you think they're actually speaking English or is this um, the TARDIS translation? It probably is the TARDIS translation, but we don't actually find out about that. Like, the TARDIS translation doesn't even exist at this point. Yeah, well, well, like, technically it did, but it wasn't in the story. Yeah. But I'm thinking, like, the Doctor was just there talking to them, and the cavemen were actually just there, like... <coughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but on to that. Um, that was only the first line of my uh, my script here. Um, <laughs> I don't have a script. Um, so... Uh, getting into this episode, it starts off uh, like that again with the with the close up of the the caveman uh, whose shadow we saw at the end of episode one, and um, it then goes back into the TARDIS where we meet Ian, Barbara, uh, Susan, and the Doctor again, and uh, Ian starts questioning uh, the Doctor and the TARDIS, and saying, "But, but it was just a police box. I walked around it. Barbara, you saw me. I walked around it. It's a police box." And the Doctor starts um. Starts just, you know, taking the piss out of Ian, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, just saying uh, how he was just uh, a stubborn 
young man and he didn't realise what he was talking about. And yeah, yeah. He wouldn't believe anything. And then, and then they were talking about time travel. Uh, basically, the Doctor was explaining things very fairly, like any adult would. And Ian was acting like that that seven-year-old child who was kind of like, no, I don't understand it. It can't be true. It's not real. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> this is also the time where we get the first name drop, the question that must never be answered. Yeah, basically, uh, Ian uses it twice. More than, more, more than twi- no, actually, twice. No, actually, Ian didn't Once use by it. Ian, once by the doctor. But the first one is by the doctor. Yeah, the first because one. Because Ian calls him Dr. Foreman. And yeah. the doctor responds with going, hey, <laughs> Doctor Who? That's, that's a little premonition to Wilf um, as well. Don't worry, when we hit the end of time, <laughs> you will understand that. Hey. Hey. Okay, but um, basically, yeah, uh, so Ian questions um, the doctor about the TARDIS and he refers to the doctor as Dr. Foreman, um, probably because Susan went under the name Susan Foreman, but I'm pretty sure that was off. I think uh, the junkyard was called Foreman's Yard mm. or something of that of that effect, to that effect. Yes. And um, the doctor questioned uh, what Ian was saying, he, he was just like, "What, Doctor Who?" And uh, yeah, roll credits. Um, just like <laughs> just ended there. <laughs> that that would have been that would have been just the best ending to the movie ever. Yes, this could be a movie. There's yeah. also a bit in this, like when the Doctor is just like walking around the TARDIS. He begins to read stuff off the TARDIS. Yeah. Like readings of the outside. I've never seen any of the other doctors do this. Like the radiation readings yeah, and stuff like n- that. None of them have ever done this. Yeah, I know. I, I think um basically he was the old man he was worried about. It's just like, you know what, I'm probably gonna die soon. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> in terms of the doctor, like he what did this doctor have? Three years? Three years. Yeah, three years. And um I don't know, in, in Doctor Who time like in time of the show, like the runtime of that show was three years, but in the show like he was probably only with them companions for a few months before it changed. And yeah, yeah. Different stuff happened, and um, and yeah, I I think he was kind of thinking, you know what, better last as long as I can. Um, <laughs> take my take my precautions. <laughs> Check the radiation. There <laughs> we go. Is it just the radiation, temperature, all that sort of stuff? But it's all normal because they're still on Earth, so. Yeah. Well, everything be hunky dory. But would they have known that? Because he apparently he didn't know where they were going. No, I don't think he but knows where they go. Like any time. The thing is, the um, I remember the TARDIS read uh, zero, and oh, the, doc- yeah. the doctor was kind of like that can't be right. They're but, not in year zero though. Are they not? No, actually, they are in the year one hundred thousand BC. Wow. IMDb trivia. <laughs> <laughs> How? Who? Who even? Who claimed that? Like, who? Who's the? Who's the person that actually like gave that knowledge to anyone that wrote it on the web on the internet? Because Internet wasn't around back then, but I'd like to know where that came from. I'd say the BBC just came up with it later on. Yeah, they were just kind of like, you know what, we need to make up a year for this. It's not zero. <laughs> I think back then as well, the TARDIS probably only had, in the old console room, probably only had like one of them, them uh, four digit, like kind of, um, you know, the kind of like clicky yeah, alarm yeah. clock things. It's like probably one of the four digit one of those <laughs> things that could only have uh, up to like between zero 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 and nine 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 nine, <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably all you could have. There was no minus. No, there wasn't. <laughs> that was it. And um, um, at this point, they go outside. Yeah. We're actually outside now, and something weird happens here. The doors close by themselves. Now, obviously, someone outside must have closed the doors, but we're looking at this from the inside of the TARDIS. Yeah. And we know that to close the doors from the inside of the TARDIS, you have to flick a switch on the TARDIS console, so. Who did it? Yeah, the old doors really confused me. Oh, yeah. Like, I know now he can open it with the click of his fingers and stuff. In the newer episodes and stuff. But yeah. But, but 
the old horse just confused me because there's no handles on the inside. I I think um yeah in the first episode Ian did say uh, Ian was trying to get into the box to see if Susan was in there and he said there was no handle but there's clearly a handle on the police box. Yeah yeah. But um yeah just use your eyes Ian. <laughs> just saying. But um we get our first reference to the chameleon circuit in this one. We do because the um because the doctor's, of the doctor's wondering why it hasn't changed. Yeah. Why he, it's still a police box? He looked really worried like basically the doctor was out of the TARDIS first and uh, then we're we're with the other characters in the TARDIS then. When they walk out, we get this close-up of the Doctor. He's just kind of like, Oh dear. Why hasn't it changed? Very distressing, very distressing. <laughs> very I distressing. love his kind of like really serious moments. Yeah, I'll admit, the acting is good. It, it's kind of, it's like overacted, but it's not overacted in a really cheesy way. It's like, it's done. It's not done, yet, it's not done, yet. <laughs> it's done the right way. Up, up, up till now, anyways. But, um, yeah, and we, we, we're here for a few minutes. The Doctor goes and... Like you said, uh, this is the time around the time when he starts smoking his pipe for the first yes. and last time, and um, it's all well and good until uh, until the caveman dude. Uh, which one was it? Cal. It was Cal. So Cal sneaks up on the doctor, and then we hear loud noises, and then Susan and Ian and Barbara take him over. Doctor's not there anymore. Susan, uh, this is the first moment. Oh my God! When Susan. Does her overacting like they see that the doctor is missing? We understand that it must be a serious deal. The doctor being missing, Susan anyway, because she's never been here before. She's new to this whole thing. But my God, <laughs> like they see that the doctor mi- is missing, and Susan freaks her shit. She loses the plot, <laughs> and I could not stop laughing. <laughs> like it was also it was also about this time uh, that I realized the clouds in the background aren't moving like at all, like. <laughs> Like 60, I, 60 sets. I was kind of like, okay, I can kind of forgive that for the 60s. Yeah. But why God? Like, I don't, they, they clearly didn't use green screen. It was just a backdrop set type thing. But um, basically what they had, all they had on that set, uh, if you look closely, they had a little dirt hill, which yeah. when Susan freaks out, she basically goes and runs face first. She knows first. Dives, yeah. She knows <laughs> into the dirt hill. And then like, either either Barbara just goes over and picks her up and just like, no, Susan, stop it! Stop freaking out, you little twat! But um, <laughs> but I was kind of like, okay, that's the first instance of the overacting. I was kind of like, okay, that's forgivable. It's the first. It's your first big scene, big dramatic scene. That's okay. But this gets worse. Oh, it gets worse. But, like not even in this story alone. Like throw all of Susan's run during the first Doctor's era, she is like literally the most overacted character ever. Oh, just wait till the one day I shall come back. Oh, not even then. <laughs> There's a moment in the Edge of Destruction that is just so out of place. Oh, that's and it's true, done yeah. by Susan. Like, yeah. oh, no. Just just wait for... Wait, when will that be in? About two weeks. About two weeks, maybe? Yeah, that'll be in about two weeks, yeah. I think. Um, just so anyway, wait. from there we move on to the cavemen bringing the Doctor back. And I actually... this We get a real look at the kind of the cavemen politics and yeah. how they work as a community. Yeah, I wonder if that's how it actually works, John. That's really <laughs> interesting, though. That, like, that moment there is really interesting. Like, the cavemen themselves are the most underwhelming characters <laughs> to ever be in a Doctor Who story. Yeah. But that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I do th- I think so, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Doc's brought in by Cal. Yep. And then Cal makes his big lie about fighting the Doctor. That he yeah. fought this dude. But no, he, he stuck him behind him and knocked him out. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, and the worst part about it is, like... 
the cavemen and all they're all re- cavemen and cavewomen they're all really interested in uh, in Cal's story about how he how he how he fought this this great warrior this old man Bill was like what age was Bill back Bill was fifty five and he he didn't he didn't look too well did he no like he didn't he didn't look too uh, a feeble old man which actually does come out an awful lot more later on in the first Doctor's run yeah like this dude has a cane that's what he was he <laughs> was the old man like like that that's how the first Doctor was. Like, I know they probably don't understand Cain's back in Cal's time, but God, Cal! Like, don't be such a dick. You didn't fight this dude. <laughs> Damn, if you did, you're a dick. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so Cal basically starts uh, bitching and moaning about the doctor. He really thinks he's all that, doesn't he? Yeah. He really thinks he's all that. <laughs> starts talking about how, uh, how, he, how he made fire come out of his fingers. And, um... <laughs> matches, basically. Yeah. <laughs> when the doctor was smoking his pipe or whatever, matches. But, uh... Yeah, and um, the cave people argue, and the doctor suddenly just wakes up. He's literally he's up on his feet, like in an instant. Yeah, it's like so rapid, how it, fast he gets up. It's wrong because like it's out of shot as well. It's like yeah, it's like no one minute it's happening, and then suddenly boom, he's there. Yeah, Cal's in shot, like just ta- making a speech, and then the next shot, the doctor's just like standing up behind him, kind of like <gasps> I can make you fire, just let me, <laughs> just let me go. I can, I can, I can make you fire, just, just, just free me, and um, I'm kind of like okay. Then we're here with the plot twist. Because he can make fire because he doesn't have his matches. Yeah. Big plot <laughs> twist. It's like, my matches, where are they? He looks at his, po- his coat. He's like, oh no, I dropped them. He's just gone. <laughs> my matches. Oh man. Distressing, very distressing. Yeah. <laughs> very distressing, doctor. Hey. Anyway, this is when Susan and the two other dealer two, Babs and Ian, come running in and Susan... Freaks her oh, shit again. again. <laughs> she jumps up on it. She dives on Cal oh. or Zah or one of them. And like, she's just screaming her head off. Like, calm down. <laughs> oh, that 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 kind of, like, I'll be honest, that one kind of scared me. Because we were, we were watching this and it was pretty loud. And then she was like, no, that father. <laughs> I kind of, that that kind of spiked the mic a bit. Sorry about that You're, for listening. But Mark's um, a sound engineer, so anytime we get overly loud, he's going to worry. Yeah, I am. Just laugh it off, people. I, I, laugh it off. I'm just, I'm just looking at this thing, making sure that the lines don't go too high. <laughs> it's very distressing watching. He's making me stressed. <laughs> anyway, at this point, the our heroes are moved into the Cave of Skulls. Yeah. Name drop, roll credits. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Za, who is the leader of the cavemen, uh, and his kind of like lover, I would say, her father comes over and starts talking to Zah about him not being with his daughter or something. And Zah completely changes his mind. And, and his daughter as well completely changes his old dude's mind by talking about food. <laughs> like they literally say, F-, F off and we will give you food. And he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> really, that's stubborn. It's like the really prehistoric version of... Um What's that thing you know where the where the, where the dude gives his daughter to the to the prince? I have no idea what that is. Whatever, it's just a really prehistoric version of that. That's just where royalty seems to work sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. like in olden times and stuff. But man, that was funny. King Lear it was in King Lear where where he just like it was like go to go to France, piss off um, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> anyway, we move into the cave of skulls now. We see Doc, Ian, and Babs, and Susan. Sorry, um, kind of like trying to fight out their. Uh, bounds, I would say. Yeah. And then they notice this skull that's been caved in. And then, cliffhanger, credits roll. 
There you go, episode two, down out of it. Yeah, they got freaked out about the whole, like, uh, school thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, on the episode three, I guess. Well, actually, no, before before that, uh, thoughts on episode two. Um, acting was worse than episode one. Ah, <laughs> on Susan's behalf, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, Like, it's just a bit, a bit too overacted for my liking. Like... But no, I thought it was pretty good. Like, I'm not going to dog on, uh, on Caroline Ford for that, because, like, she was a young actress at the time. Yes, this and she does, get, she does have her moments. She does get better yeah, later on down the line. Yeah, in fairness, there is some proper good emotional moments with her, and... But there's just this, this one in general. But between this really and the hand over. dance, I just can't. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... There but was... I, I thought the um, the caveman acting was really well done. Yeah, okay. Like, the cavemen are really good. That is Not true. as a villain of the Doctor, but just as a community on their own. Except it's for the old one. I hate the old woman. Oh, <laughs> will make fire. There will be no fire. Fire will kill all. <laughs> <laughs> we could do this entire podcast just mimicking <laughs> Episode 3. Oh, God. <laughs> the yeah. skulls broke. The forest of fear we're on to now. Believe it or not, we this opens up as pretty much all classic Q episodes do, where the last one ended. Yeah. But the skull is different. The bigger skull this time. Big, yeah. A bigger hole in its head. <laughs> like, what? Kind of like, you Con- know what? In the cliffhanger... Effort, er, issues, like, seriously. Yeah, it's kind of like, in the cliffhanger last week, that skull wasn't frightening enough. <laughs> we need to make it bigger. We need to make it scarier. It was tidy. This is how this... This was how this um, show just kept going, I think. Just adding extra things to the cliffhanger. <laughs> sucking the people in. But anyway, um, so the cavemen are asleep now at the beginning of this episode, and we have the longest shot. This is like the junkyard shot. Yeah. We are just panning through this cave of sleeping cavemen. Like, nothing is happening here. <laughs> it was like... Do something interesting, BBC, come on! <laughs> Until one of them wakes up. Yeah, in And then later another one wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> and she takes it. She takes a knife. She takes a knife. But Which it's, is rock. It's just a rock. It's a rock. It's a designed rock. It's a... <laughs> It's a knife. It's a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Most of this podcast is us just laughing at our own, our, our own shit jokes. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, we so go back to the cave, <laughs> and uh, we see Ian and Babs, who are basically escape experts. Like they're figuring out these little holes in the cave. There's like there's there's air coming in here somewhere. I can feel it. <laughs> We can, just like, if it, we can just get out of it, we can find a way. I was like, seriously, this is. Like, <laughs> it would not be that noticeable. If there no, was air coming into the it, cave, no, it would not be like... You wouldn't notice that air coming in, especially on your face. Like, you'd probably feel a little bit of it, but you wouldn't notice it straight out the bat. <laughs> like, seriously, Babs, you're a teacher. You're, you, this is the first time you've ever been in a seriously dangerous, like, situation, and you just cop that on straight away. Yeah, she's only a history teacher. She is. <laughs> <laughs> the no. dog is being a whiny baby throughout this entire shot. Yeah, he's had to just be one of those. He's just giving up all hope. He's like, oh no, what is it now? This is my demise. I'm not getting out of here. And then suddenly, like a, like a kind, he just flips himself over and he's completely different. He's like, no, we need to do something. We need to get out of here. Look, like, isn't there literally one line where he's just like, um, yeah, okay, this is later in the episode when they're in uh, the forest, I think, but. You know what? Oh, wait we get to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, at this point, you started to snore. You met a snoring noise. <laughs> did I? You did. I was convinced you were falling asleep at this point. I probably was. But your eyes were wide. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Like, I knew, I knew this was getting out of hand, but when I heard that noise. <laughs> anyway, we're seeing... Right, we're, we're, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> moving on. We get more Susan overacting. Because the old lady has come into the cave. I love how I just have in my notes, Susan overacts again in capital letters. <laughs> she just loses the plot. <laughs> and then the old lady overacts. And I can't remember what she was overacting about. <laughs> I think she's like, you know me, fire. You go now. <laughs> Leave. And then she just cuts their bounds and that's it. Yeah, she sh- so she basically frees them. And then um, there's uh, the, the cavemen are coming in like there. Uh, they see like the... The old, the old woman has, has freed them, or they want to see what's going on. She is like Sherlock Holmes. Like, literally, the way she puts together so fast what happens, like, it's, it's instantaneous. Yeah, like, she is like proper Sherlock Holmes type detective like for they, a cave woman. Oh, they probably, like, they just, they, they go and try to get into the cave to see what's going on, and um, they can't move what I call the great styrofoam. Yeah, this rock, this rock, I can't move the rock. Like... <laughs> We know it's fake. We can see you moving it. Yeah, like Jesus. they literally. There was one. There was one scene where, uh, where the woman, uh, not the old woman, the other, um, the, the 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 girlfriend, the partner. Yeah, yeah, the partner. Um, of, I think her name is her. Like yeah. H U R. Yeah, let's just call her her. Uh, so her was uh, trying to open up. Uh, well, no, she wasn't trying at this point. She just hit off the rock. She kind of tapped she off it. She barely tipped it. I can't move it. And it kind, it kind of moved, um, like this. That was stupid. No one can see us. It's a podcast. It's 100% audio. No one knows what we are doing. I made a face about five minutes ago. And then it dawned on me. No one can see this. Stop. We're so used to doing videos. I know. Oh. Anyway. Oh, well. During the during the kind of moment we're trying to move the stone, uh... Za makes the funniest poop face I've ever seen. <laughs> he, like, really... Like, this is the point of, like, acting to... Like, the pinnacle of acting in 60s TV. Because this fella really looks like he's trying. <laughs> but, you know, he, I think he's trying hard enough not to move the rock. Because he, he could move it with, like, a with, like, yeah. push. I'd say that was actually most of the acting going into it. They were just, like, trying... trying don't, don't move the rock. Trying to don't make, move the rock. Trying to make it look like you were really pushing the rock. Yeah. But at the same time, if you push that rock, like, even with an ounce of force, that shit is going to blow up. <laughs> like, that rock will... Im- like... The thing will just explode into tiny yeah. little white balls of styrofoam. Anyway, moving on. Okay. <laughs> We're getting really caught with this whole oh. rock thing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this moves on now. The gang are in the forest. Yes. And Susan must have been doing something, because I have a note here that says, Susan not overacting as much. <laughs> I think it's during her running thing, but like she doesn't overact. So that, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> but Babs is overacting at this point. Like She's freaking the hell out, because she lands in front of this pig. But it's good overacting. I was really glued into it. I was like, oh wow, that's actually kind of believable. And this is a this is the point like where we were talking about earlier with the uh, with the tension between the sexual tension. <laughs> Babs is sexual tension with Ian. Bill's here. Ian gets right up oh, in her yeah, face. He's really in and he's just like, we're free. I was, no, no I was one convinced s- he was going to go in for the cheeky shift. I really <laughs> was convinced that he was going to do something. <laughs> like, you kind of wish he did. Because, like, man, break this tension. This is building to a point where I can't deal anymore. <laughs> I can't show you what I'm talking about here, but basically my two hands are about... Just come to me, Babs. An inch away from each other. I'm kind of like, tension, knife, 
Butter. You could chew it. They're like a hot knife to a butter. Okay. <laughs> um, what is this? I can't even make out what this noise. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a bit where the doctor and Ian are talking, and the camera does a ridiculous jump. Yeah. It jumps to the side, like to the left, <laughs> and then just back in the frame again. I think we had exactly the point this happens. Uh, yeah. It's the it's eleven minutes into the episode. That's what this says. Eleven minutes. <laughs> Serious camera. Show. You just have eleven mins, but it looks like it honestly looks like <laughs> Yeah, so it's eleven minutes into the episode. Uh, as Ian and the doc are uh, arguing, there's just one of the most noticeable camera frame jumps in the world. It was brilliant. It was just it like was so good. <laughs> no one can see. I. It's hard to convey this without video. Just Google it. Just Google um, an early child episode three uh, camera jump. And it's bound to come up. <laughs> because it's really, really noticeable. And anyway, Babs gets scared again. Again. Because Zah is brutally attacked by a bear or something like that. <laughs> and she hears him screaming. We don't see what it is. But this is very brutal for a children's show. Yeah. Like, it's a bear attack. Yeah, like he was... Co- and he's bloody. Yeah, like... This is ridiculous. It was black, but it was surely blood, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was mad. <laughs> the cave woman gets dumb at this point. Yeah. This is when this is when this is what we were talking about earlier where she gets dumb. Like one word syllable responses, not really speaking properly. It's just so like Ugh. And then Ian tells her that his name is Friend. <laughs> I am Friend and she's like Friend <laughs> And then she won't believe a word we were saying until Za pulls himself together and goes Listen to them. <laughs> they do not kill. They don't kill. <laughs> um, at this point, <coughs> Ian breaks the fourth wall. We're 15 minutes into this episode. And Ian breaks the fourth wall for a split second. Because apparently he looks at the camera. And my notes say here, you lost your shit. <laughs> you just went mad over this. Like, you didn't notice it the first time. I was just like, did he just break the fourth wall? And we it's were... Like, it's such like a like a tiny little glance. You barely know it, and you just went nuts over. But we were riding the DVD, and he's just there. He's tending to Zaz to Zaz wounds, and he's just like he's gone through doing his medical stuff. Uh, he's a chemistry teacher. Okay, he's now he's, he's now he's a doctor. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just tending to the wounds. Uh, he looks to his right. He looks to his left. He looks at the camera, like straight at the camera. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyway, we, we we jump back to the cave now, and Cal's gone in there and finds the old woman, and he straight out kills her, for no reason. <laughs> he just, boom, stabs her, that's it. So no more, uh, old lady problems. <laughs> Fire can happen now. Anyway, we, go, we jump back to the forest after that. That's a little like kind of tidbit note that we needed there, yeah. old woman dying. But we jump back to the forest, and this is another kind of those, this is a children's program, what's going on? The doctor goes to murder Zah. He picks up a rock and he goes to mash him in the head. And he stops him. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, Ian was kind of just like, what you do? He was just like, oh, I was going to get him to draw our way back to the TARDIS. Yeah, my crap. He's going to absolutely bash his brains in. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, what was going on? No idea. Anyway, uh... Something here says Cal is a major dick. Because clearly he must have done something. I think he was riling up the um, the cave people, trying to tell them that Zah was bad. Yeah. To run out. He do, He was. He was indeed. 
So, like, he basically riles them up, gets them to run after the Doctor, Ian, Bab, Susan, Zan, the, and then get the doctor something else. Yeah. <laughs> but I love how, like, uh, the Doctor and all had escaped. They'd they're going back as hard as yeah, at this point. They had been escaped for a while. Like, they, they're gone through the forest. We're at least 20 minutes now into their Yeah, escape. like, they're gone pretty far into yeah. the forest. They're gone out. They're, they're, they get to the point of the towers. And then all Ooh, the cows' dudes just, there. just appear. Like, how the hell did you get there that fast? Like, I understand forests can be big and you can walk around, but what? Like, no. That's that's not possible. And uh, and then um, we get to, like, the 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 end of this episode, which is just a, uh, a close-up on Cal's face. And I don't know, like, what it was with the look on his face, but all I thought at this moment was, I'm Batman. It's just like, Batman moment. I'm Batman. I was just like, what? <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> Roll credits. Cliffhanger. Uh, end. Boom. Episode four. The Firemaker. Before we hop into that, impressions on episode three. It was good. Um, it not, was slow. It was slow. Like very it, slow. Like it was based all in uh, the cave skulls and the forest. Yeah. Like but, that. But like not a lot happens. No. But it's very slow moving filler. But we do. Film. But we do actually get character development. We do. Which more is... sexual tension in Babs <laughs> and Ian. But then we also see that the Doctor has a bit of a dark side to it. Yeah. Him. Yeah, that's um, yeah. That I'm just gonna pause for two seconds, guys. Excuse that little interruption there. Uh, <laughs> someone knocked on my door, so we had to deal with that. Yeah, that was a bit of a problem. So anyway, where were we? We're, we're, on... we're getting into episode four. Yes. And I like to call um as as, as titles go for episodes. Which what, do you have the official title of this episode? The Firemaker. Right. This episode's called the Firemaker. Wasn't originally meant to be called the Firemaker though. I have notes here. Um, <laughs> where the hell they are? <laughs> Okay. Yes, episode four was originally meant to be called The Dawn of Knowledge. Really? Yes. That's a bad name for this episode. It is a little bit of a bad <laughs> name for this episode. Because um, it's, it's all about, well, I suppose The Dawn of Knowledge is about making fire. They do learn to make fire in this episode. That's true. But originally, this episode was supposed to have a different ending. That Ian was supposed to show them how to make fire. They were all meant to be good, happy friends, and that was it. But of course, that changes. So changes by the end of this episode. That's kind of how I was predicting the episode to go, and then it didn't. So but it's Doctor Who. I'm gonna crack my ankle. Or sorry. <laughs> I guess I call this episode um, just because of the way it starts. It starts with a close up on, I'm pretty sure a different caveman's face. It is. But then the, there's a, se- a different caveman's face. But then there's a serious close up on Ian's face. So for all intents and purposes, I've called this episode. Ian's face! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> this is... I was, oh, and I also call it This is a bad knife. <laughs> it is a bad knife. <laughs> we'll find out why it's a bad knife very soon. So, we get back to the caveman kind of den, I would call it. Yeah. And Cal is just 100% bullshit at this point. <laughs> He's telling them all that, oh, they were going to be set free, that we never started to make fire, and blah, blah, blah. We don't care. <laughs> Zah, uh, kill old woman. And we get the whole thing of the bad knife. Yeah. Because Cal brings up the whole thing about the old woman and that Zah did it. Yeah. But he shows Zah's knife, and there's no blood on it. And Cal just responds to this by saying, it's a bad knife. <laughs> it's a bad knife. Is it just that bloody knives are, like, good knives? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, this is a bad knife. <laughs> the doc basically like proves that Cal murdered the old lady by showing that Cal's knife is covered in blood. Therefore, it is a good knife. Is <laughs> it killed? <laughs> and Cal straight out rats himself out. There. He did it. Yeah, it's just like like this all. Yes, this, I did it. This entire 
kind of sequence of Cal blaming the murder of the old woman on Zah, mm. the doctor proving him wrong, and then Cal ratting himself out takes place within the space of three minutes. Like, it's so rapid <laughs> how fast they go through this. Like, it's brilliant. In terms of ratting yourself out, sure if you feel bad, but this guy didn't feel bad. He didn't feel bad He just knew all. he was caught. He just was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm done for. And um, that was it. That was it. Now, um, oh yeah, this is what happens. The dog just fires a stone at him. <laughs> throws a stone at Cal. She's like, we can drive him out. Drive him out. <laughs> Boom! Peg a stone. And then everyone else is like, yeah, yeah! Peg stones! <laughs> like, That's it. Boom. Cal gone. <laughs> oh, dear. Like, I don't, where did he go? I want to know where he went. I don't know. Because he, he comes back. Well, I have a funny note here. Uh, apparently the cavemen were making noises during this whole thing where they sounded kind of like sex noises. That's not surprising. They did. They were kind of like, uh, uh. <laughs> Dude, what kind of sex are you having? Zombie sex. <laughs> Pure zombie. <laughs> zombie sex. <laughs> Feet cavemen. Oh, Jesus. Oh, stop. Is this allowed? Are we allowed to say this stuff on SoundCloud? I think and, so. And other, and other good services that we are going to be using. Um, we will uh, get into those other services at the end of this episode. Exactly. Anyway. Zah just dumps them in the cave again, and at this point we hear what I think is the funniest, funniest incidental music ever, which is just "Dead <laughs> I'm gonna we should put that in right here. Dead <laughs> <laughs> And what? We are forty nine minutes in. I need a pen. I need a pen. I need a pen. All right, forty nine minutes. Mark it in. That's where we're putting this in. <laughs> because it is the funniest incident of music ever. And it happens at so many points in this entire story. Just... It's like, oh wow. It just got serious. <laughs> anyway. Zah comes into them. And talks to the doc and Ian. About... It's a pretty decent conversation. But they're talking yeah. about like the whole fire thing. Yeah. And that... You know... Let's make fire. I will learn. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I have no idea what this says here, but I, I will learn. I will be leader. Skipping on, Ian makes fire for the crack. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of nowhere, he makes fire. But something very funny happens in this bit. Is it about the sticks? Yes. Yes. And I think you should explain this because it is brilliant. There, basically, anyone who can make fire without like matches or or light or, or flint or whatever, you will know. Um, to make fire with two sticks, you gotta rub the sticks together. So, so as he held one stick uh, horizontally uh, to, to from the ground. That's vertically. Vertically. Uh, to the ground. <laughs> Shut up, dude. Um, vertically to the ground. And then he held the other one a good two inches away. Two, he's not even rubbing the sticks together and boom. Air. Fire. Air fire. Hey, like, Ian is magic. <laughs> yeah, we've It's in that moment that they should have put in the... Because <laughs> then you know it's, it's getting real. We've just come to the conclusion Ian is a wizard. <laughs> he is pure and utter wizard. <laughs> I actually have written here. Can confirm. Ian is wizard. <laughs> anyway. So, we move on from there. Yeah. And we find out that Cal's an even bigger dick because he just straight up murders the guard mm. that is like guarding the place. <laughs> and um, from this point, we have the most overacted fight scene ever. Oh. 
ever. And this is it. This is that <laughs> point that we were mentioning earlier with the awkward close-ups of the face. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> oh dear. So this, this, this moment starts with the faces. It starts closing in on Cal and Zaz's face. And you're getting, that's alright, they're fighting. But then it closes up on the doctors, Ian's, Barbara's, and Susan's. <laughs> <laughs> and you know where this is going. <laughs> Susan overacts the hell out of her faces. Like, she, she completely... Her, her face completely changes. It, the only thing I could think of is the face that Sylvester McCoy was making when he regenerated the bomb <laughs> That's the closest to watch. She's got, like, Just go watch that regeneration scene and you'll know what we're talking you, you about. You will. You'll know exactly he, what he's on, he's on. He's on the, the table in the morgue. Oh, Oh god! <laughs> it's kind of like he's biting himself. Also, Su- Susan's doing that, but it's just her mouth is wide open. It also reminds me of that. Um, uh, you know the movie The Room. Tommy Wiseau. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um. Basically, there's a guy in that. Uh, <laughs> um. Basically, there's about halfway through the movie, these two characters appear that we've never met before, and they enter with a sex scene, and this guy. He makes this weird face. But every <laughs> but every time this guy appears in the movie from then on, he just. You can just see the face, and it's just like it's just like chomp. It's like a, it's like, like he's eating himself. Yeah, it's, it's like, straight it's, out like he's eating. It's himself. like a dude is trying to make the face of a cow chomping, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the face Susan makes. It's so weird, so weird. Wow. Anyway, Cal is dead at this point. Za overcomes him, and Cal dies. And thank and God. The cavemen come in and are losing the plot. <laughs> They're freaking out. Mainly because Za hasn't come out with the fire, so they automatically decide, oh yeah, he's not he doesn't believe him. Let's just overthrow this dude because clearly it's wrong. Let's put them all on the stone. <laughs> put them on the stone. <laughs> and kill them and all. And sacrifice him to the stone. <laughs> Get fire and all that crack. <laughs> then Za comes back over and pulls Ian down for no reason. Like, they're, they're all kneeling in front of the fire, and Zah grabs Ian by the shoulder and just goes, get out of the way. <laughs> like, pulls him straight out of the way. <laughs> You're like, what? We'd be the best at the audio commentary on, on the DVD or something. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens after that? Mark, have you got anything here? Um, basically, this is, this is the point where uh, Zah tells them they're staying. Uh, because oh, yeah, they're stuck in the... Um, in the cave now they can't leave yeah like like Zag gives them food and stuff yes but um but yeah they're not leaving <laughs> and uh, I don't know how like how did they make it so easy for them to escape the next time but they did uh, all they had to do was like Ian saw some skulls no it wasn't Ian it was, it was not Susan. Ian. Susan Susan comes up for the first time in four episodes <laughs> Susan is helpful and we are towards the end of this episode she saw some skulls and she's like put them on the fire she got a torch Bam. Woo! Fire! Clearly, this will scare the living daylights out of the cavemen. Yeah, and I love how, like, when they all go, well, basically, they hide in a certain part of the cave, wait for the cavemen to come in, uh, all the cavemen see, and I don't know if the cavemen are thinking, oh my god, they burnt themselves, they ripped off their heads. Like that fast, like straight to thingy. But where's their bodies? Maybe he just thought that they were demons, I'm not entirely sure. That would make more sense. And that would genuinely make more sense than this whole episode. The cavemen come in and are basically just cavemen. More sex nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they start basically crying. Basically, because I think they just lost their fire makers. <laughs> anyway, 
We see the heroes running through the forest, and Babs falls flat on her face. <laughs> and here's another dickish moment that was past her, like straight past her, as if he didn't even notice her. You just see Bill's leg just jump yeah, and over. And you notice him because it's the checkered trousers, and literally instantly, whoom, no, Babs. Here's the thing, like, normally you th- I, th- I thought that doctor would be on a cane. This guy was legged, and he, he's like, like stri- he hopped it over. This actually, like, this whole thing of the doctor running, even though he's on a cane and stuff, gets so much better later on in his run, especially. <laughs> the Reign of Terror for those of you who have seen it you'll know what I'm talking about have you seen the Reign of Terror? yes do you want me to just, just say it to you know, because I don't think you actually remember what I'm talking about I think I do look we'll wait we will we'll we wait. will wait for those of you who have seen the Reign of Terror I bet you tenor, you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about and it is just so hilarious watching the whole thing but anyway Ian comes in saves them saves bad sorry picks her up then we get more awkward close-ups of their faces. Oh, the close-ups. More close-ups. And again, I, w- I think these are the most awkwardest close-ups because they're running, which means they're just bouncing <laughs> up and down, left to right, <laughs> to make it look like they're running, which we know <laughs> you're not running doing this scene. Stop. <laughs> and again, who who gets in the way? Once again, <laughs> Susan, with your overacted face. Oh, Susan. I actually... I can't she got the longest time as well. She like, did. They all got like two seconds on the face and like it zooms into hers then for about ten seconds. She gets like... She gets double the amount of time <laughs> just because she's Susan. <laughs> I think at that point like the director and just everyone knew yeah, make sure Caroline Ford gets as much screen time doing the most awkwardest face as possible because we know she will pull everyone in. <laughs> We should just have the whole doo-doo playing on repeat <laughs> as she's on the screen. Because <laughs> if we don't get the good ratings as a drama, we can always go no. for comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. They get into the TARDIS. They fly off. Just randomly just get out of there. No idea where they're going or not. Baz wants to go home at this point, which, to be fair, she has a point. Yeah. She didn't want to travel with this dude. She's stuck here. She wants to go home. Doc can't bring her home. This is kind of the first thing... This is the first... Uh, sorry. <laughs> this is the first kind of mention to the fact that the Doctor doesn't know how to fly the TARDIS. Yeah. Because he doesn't know how to bring them back. He's just guessing. Yeah. And believe it or not, Ian and Barbara are the first companions that I've seen so far that didn't actually want to travel with the Doctor. They just got roped into it, but they don't yeah. want to travel with him. They spend most of their run, even though later on they do enjoy it, but they do spend most of their run wanting to go home. They want to go back to London in the 60s. Yeah. They don't cr- want to be there. It's really strange when you think... Like, it's so funny to think the very first two companions didn't want to be there. It's Damn. really interesting. Damn. Anyway, <gasps> Doc, Babs, Ian, Susan, Tardis, all land on this planet. We don't know where they are. We get the whole thing next episode of the dead planet credit roll there we go in credits nice one that's an unearthly child wrapped up and uh yeah all I would say like what, okay I gotta ask what's your opinion on the whole story in general um overall it has a decent start it I does. think an unearthly child the very first episode is brilliant it kind of loses that in episode 3 for definite yeah episodes 2 and 4 they're all right I think just the cavemen conversing with the Doctor and the other crew are just ridiculous. Yeah, kind of. Like, <laughs> it does have some funny moments. I, I'm taking into account maybe there was a different standard back then. Uh, mm. I'm taking into account uh, budgets. I'm taking into account 
um, experience because I'm pretty sure, like, I'm, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure um, the actors who played Ian, Barbara, and the Doctor were the only actors with a lot of experience. Yeah. On this episode, on Caroline this, Ford didn't really have on this much story. Experience. She didn't have much experience, and just and you, in can, general. you can kind of see it, yeah. Yeah, but let's be fair. It's a decent start. It's a decent start. Because in 1963, no one had ever heard of this idea before. It's a whole new concept yeah. to everyone. And it works really well. It was really it's interesting. It's a really good story to work, kind of walk people into Doctor Who. And it was really interesting to see William Hartnell because uh, he had, it was a very different role for him. It was uh, he, he was used to playing sort of... Um, army type army, characters. Army characters and yes. stuff like that. And uh, But this was the more child-friendly kind of approach that he was going for. Exactly. And it worked really well. He liked the response kind of he was getting from the kind of the younger mm. audience. And uh, I, I thought it was, it was really nice as well. So, um... Just Rating out of 10, Mark, Damn. give us a number. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be... Be fair. Be I'll, be, fair. I'll be a bit fair. Okay. It's 1963. First story. Be fair. I'll give it a 7. Oh, same as myself. Yeah, I'll give it seven a 7. 7 out of 10. Because it's it's good for the first time. Good for a good start. It, can get you, it, it is an episode that could get you hooked. Yes. I would say it's not up to today's standards in terms of now that's understandable it would not be in terms of technology and oh, no, it's, acting uh, and different stuff but in terms of if I watched that as a first series episode even that's the whole pilot and then I watched one of my favourite stories of all time the 11th hour mm. the 11th hour would get me hooked much quicker <laughs> but that's because it's more actiony like the Doctor's more of an action hero it's, it's, it's a combination of a lot of things but I like yeah, I liked it. Seven. I think we should leave this debate until we reach New Who, which yeah. will be, it'll be a lot sooner than what people expect, but I won't get into that. Okay. So, wrapped up. Yeah. Far, first serial down. So, that's it. I and, um, fucking, sorry for the language there, but another, like, a <laughs> hundred more to go. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that's only the classics. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes and stuff, but um, anyway. wow, man, this is over an hour long. That'd be grand. I was actually, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, audience. I was worried. I was worried at the start that we would not have enough material to do 40 minutes. We covered an extra 20 on top of that. Yeah. That's brilliant. And we've still got another uh, minute or two to go because uh, we've got to say thank you very much for listening. Thank you very, very much. Please, uh, you know, follow, follow the podcast on SoundCloud. And, and we have upgraded ourselves. We're more branched out. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher, sorry. And tune in. So go check all them out if you use any of them. Subscribe to the podcast and please don't forget to rate and review us. And yes, and comment. Leave us comments and follow. And uh, you, we've also, guys, we shall we got to tell them about we've got a Twitter fit. We've we got have, a Twitter, we have a Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Hoovian Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search the Hoovian Podcast. We come up. And really quick, one final credit to the AWSM media guy who gave us our lovely theme song. Yes. So thank you all. Uh, tune in next week for the next episode we will be covering on another Harkon serial The, the Daleks. Daleks so thanks guys and uh, goodbye goodbye <laughs>